0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Brian,
2: right, did, did you talk to Jim
3: Harbaugh or his agent? And if not, why not?
1: No, I haven't talked to Jim. Brian, right. Right. Why, why is this? social Michigan. Sorry. Brian, right. did, did you, he was not a considerate? You, know, you did not see him as a... No, like know. I said, we're, we're going with Matt and uh, i give you the reasons why. Um, I think go through, you know, I didn't, I didn't go talk to anybody. Molly and Haw, Chicago sports radio, six, seven of the score. That is the voice of Ryan Pauls. And he was not looking for a head coach. So Jim was the coach at Michigan and, uh and he never contacted him. They never talked to him, a popular former player with the Chicago bears Um kind of, An interesting thing, they were going with Matt. They were going with Matt. He gave the reasons why.
2: Yeah. Because
1: he's a man and he does his job. (laughs) Every day he comes in and he's a man.
2: Well, I think that he has a boss as well. And I think that's where – today's the day we're talking about Jim Harbaugh taking the job with the Chargers. Because Because he got a job. He's He's returning to the NFL. Yeah. And he's returning to the NFL and the time that – That question was asked, he was still the coach at Michigan and every team in the NFL knew that. That was dodging the question. This is is what people can have their own reaction. This is what bothers me. I think this is on not Ryan Poles as much as Kevin Warren, who made a determination that they weren't interested in Harbaugh for whatever reason. Jim Harbaugh was the best available head coaching candidate, in my opinion, in the opinion of a lot of people out there. And This has really less to do with Matt Eberflus than it has to do with what your ambitions are and if you have a chance to upgrade. The Bears could have pursued Jim Harbaugh. If they do that, you better know you're going to get him. But I I don't know why we don't have any reporting or evidence or inclinations that we don't even have an inkling, Mully, that they pursued that or considered that. No. We have this answer. He's a coach at Michigan, and we have a lot of faith invested in Ryan Poles because if the suggestion is that, well, they couldn't work together because you couldn't usurp his power or whatever you want to, however you want to rationalize it or justify it, you passed on the best head coaching candidate available when you had an opportunity to upgrade coming off a 7-10 and 10 season when you have the number one overall pick and a lot of reasons to feel optimistic about the future of the franchise. You just passed and missed out on an opportunity to upgrade the most important position in your building. Okay. You believe in Matt Eberflus? Okay. You believe in Ryan Poles? They better
1: win. That, well, I mean... Jim Harbaugh's going to win. Well, who's more likely to be fired in a year? Jim or Matt Eberflus, and and I mean, it's a rhetorical question. Yes, it answers itself. So I I I just wonder <laughs> when you are looking at again, we talk about timing. Um, we've talked about this idea that you know they like what they've seen on the defensive side of the ball, and that's you know the the scandal, whatever way you want to put it, whatever happened where the. Um, the coordinator is forced out. That ended up being the best thing that ever happened to Matt Eberflus because he became the coordinator. The defense improved, and that justifies bringing him back for another year. They had a convenient scapegoat uh, with the offensive coaches, and um, got rid of them. And now they've hired a new offensive coordinator. He's putting his staff together, presumably. Mm-hmm. The coach will have to rubber stamp any hires. I I don't think he's going to all be very conventional. Um, and then we'll see what happens next year. <laughs> it, um, they got all these assets; they could get significantly better. It, I get it. This will pass.
2: We'll be feel we'll feel good about the Bears again in a while. I mean, but this is a day that we both came to work today, kind of like yeah, well, cranky I mean, about the fact that yes. Jim Harbaugh is elsewhere. And and I think that you just You're reminded, coaching is a cruel profession. It can be. David Ross didn't deserve what happened to him. Craig Council. But why did it happen? Craig Council was considered an upgrade. They made him the highest paid manager in baseball. That's right. Adrian Griffin probably didn't deserve what happened to him after 43 games. It's a different sport, but it's the NBA and it's coaching. He was fired for Doc Rivers. Why? It's an obvious upgrade. If you're Matt Eberflus, if you're a fan of him, if you respect him, and I do respect him, you can make the argument that the Bears are going to be just fine eventually once they get all these things that we talked about in place. But today you're wondering, in a cruel profession, why they passed up a chance to upgrade when they have a president that talks so ambitiously. If you're going to talk the talk, back it up. This was a swing and a miss for Kevin Warren because
1: he didn't back up the big talk. No. Nope. They didn't. Yeah, and, again, it doesn't mean the Bears can't get better. It doesn't mean – but they, you know, they they lost 10 games, man. I mean, are we all paying attention to what's <laughs> happening? You go into a news conference and the takeaway is, you know, they are on the way up. Look at how they – they, they lost 10 games. And the two teams ahead of them in the division, and they're tied with Minnesota, technically Minnesota – uh, could be ahead of them if they re-sign their quarterback, I would say. But you look at where they're at, and they're in fourth place. They, I get it. They they had the same record as Minnesota, but Minnesota technically ahead of them because they had an easier schedule than the Vikings. So there are reasons to feel like the Bears are going to get better. Yeah, but they And fourth. they got young guys that are good, but they're last in their They're division. fourth. They're not. They're there, not there's, there's, taking the north and there, never giving it up. There's
2: no reason to think right. that they're anything but the worst team in their division right now. So
1: that's what they are. Now, so, so don't you know? Don't smile and tell me it's it's not raining.
2: It. There are reasons to believe that Ryan Poles is a good talent evaluator. There are reasons to believe that. This defense with Matt Geberflus is going to take a step and give them a chance to compete for a playoff spot next year. There are reasons to believe that Caleb Williams is going to come in here and do for the Bears what CJ Stroud did for the Texans. We can get behind those things. Sure.
1: Just not today. No, not this morning, sadly. Three one two, six forty four, sixty-seven, sixty-seven. Jamal is in Orland Park. Hey Jamal.
3: How you guys doing?
1: Good. All right. Uh you, you know what maybe maybe the
3: bears just aren't as enamored with Jim Harbaugh as you guys are or as some, fan, some, some fans are. I mean he he's right. a good coach. Uh he hasn't won anything in the NFL. Wait wait
2: wait wait. He won the NFC. You can
3: talk about as many see and and this is what you guys do with the quarterbacks as well. You talk about how many passing yards, talk about how many games won unless you win a Super Bowl. It's all empty calories, right? And Jamal, so, yes, he's a good you, coach. Were
2: you Lovey Smith fan? Do you think Lovey Smith did a good job in Chicago? He did a pretty good job, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. Got to one. He got to one. I mean, that's a, you're right. It's a bottom-line industry, but you can't say that Jim
1: Harbaugh is a failure as a head coach because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. And, um, uh, uh, Jamal, you should know that Lawrence Holmes is going to be at Benny's in Orland Park. Jamal's from Orland Park. He'll be there with Remy Martin tonight starting at 5.30. You can register on site for a chance to win a spot to play hoops at the United Center on the Court of Dreams. A winner will be drawn at 7 p.m. So get there, register. You don't need to be present to win, but you need to register on site, and Remy will be supplying uh, some samples too. So come and try a Remy sidecar with Lawrence. Great opportunity. You know, Jamal
2: did have a good point, though, Molly, and this is valid, and he was triggered when he said he hadn't won anything. The Bears certainly weren't as enamored with Jim Harbaugh as as we are, as some people have been, as other teams around the league showed to be, the Falcons and the Chargers and the other teams that might have inquired, so there might be reasons for that. They'll never fully explain or have to, but Maybe it was the other way around as well. Maybe Jim Harbaugh, as I su- suspect. Yes. Wanted nothing
1: to do with the Bears. Wanted
2: nothing to do with the McCastys. Um
1: And that's fine. I got no problem with whatever happened either way. But I, I would say that when you are the Bears and you're talking about, well, we're happy with, what you know, we got our guy, we're staying with Matt, um, you know, then don't, don't tell me how much better you're getting and don't sell the losing to me like it's part of the process where look at we really tried to lose and we managed to lose then we came back and we're basically we're on the verge of greatness and we lost 10 games and uh and now we're we're you know we kind of are too comfortable in what we're doing to hire a guy who would be an upgrade so we really like where we're at no one mess with us leave us alone and just watch us win. It's coming. Oh, it's right around the corner. That's what they're selling you on. They're selling you on losing. Well, they're selling the fact that they had this terrible year, but hmm. they're heading the right. They they're, had a really sell- bad year. This year's
2: better. They're, they're selling their ability oh, to. If only we won those first. Survive adversity they created. Damn it!
1: Only yes. those three.
2: I, I do. I close do think. Th- I do think that you know t- this it's is January twenty fifth. You always want to keep an eye on the calendar. When they draft Caleb Williams, as they likely will do, unless they find something in his background, that's going to be an exciting day. There's going to be optimism again. There's going to be an excitement level for this Bears season that is going to feel much different than you feel this morning if you're disappointed the Bears missed out on Jim Harbaugh. But it's going to take some time to get to that point because they've got to do other things right. and They've got to handle free agency. They've got to handle – this coaching staff that they're putting together with Shane Waldron, they're doing things conventionally. Getting Jim Harbaugh would have been outside the box thinking. they would thinking. have felt
1: uncomfortable. And it, it would have been very uncomfortable. No question. And they're very comfortable kind of trying to tell you that, okay, we lost 10 games, but really we should have won 14. Huh? What are you saying? It just seems nonsensical. Any way you deliver that message. Uh, let's try Tony. Tony's in Wonder Lake. Hi, Tony.
3: Hey, good morning, guys. Long time no talk. Uh, to me, it seems like Kevin Warren was brought in to be just a bean counter. Uh, just Ted Phillips' role, just a different guy. Because I, maybe you guys could help me out with this, but when is the last time the Bears have released a coach before his contract was up? Maybe Maggie had one year left. I'm not really sure, but. It just seems the same old game plan. Uh, They don't want Kevin Warren to rock the boat too much. So let's keep everybody in place because we don't want to waste any money. But at the same time, we're kind of right there, guys. If we just do a few things, because the defense is on the come, you decide to keep this guy and move forward with just an atrocious level of football. They just don't do things the right way, guys. Everything they do is backwards totally unconventional. They bring Kevin Warren and the guy's supposed to be a blue chipper and you let the guy just be a bean counter, try to facilitate your stadium and not do anything to really help the field on the product on the field. Cause Jim Harbaugh should be here and we should be looking forward to a really great future, but because they do things to satisfy their own needs. And I'm talking about the McCaskies here. They don't do anything to try and improve the team in any way that's, that's, that's or makes any sense to the fans, who are always the stupid ones, right? We don't know anything.
2: Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. I don't think the Bears have been reluctant to fire coaches with years left on the contract, only because the last couple coaches they fired had money still owed to them. Correct? And yeah. Matt Nagy did. I think and that, John Fox did. And
1: if they fire Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus would. He I mean, would. If, they, if they go yeah. up to
2: next year. I, I don't think that money –
1: is why the guy is still here, and look, I don't not, think that do you no i I don't think, I don't think that, I, was, that I, was part of the I equation think, I think Eberflus did do a great job as a defense coordinator. he did prove his value uh after they had to let a coach go, or he was pressured to, to resign whatever way you want to choose to discuss it. They bragged about their culture as a result of firing a couple of coaches that had missteps i I just think that. When you actually break it all down and look at it, where are you? I mean, I think they got a competent offensive coordinator. I don't think they're going to be, you know, I hope they're not going back to any of this, you know, delay of game penalties or jumping off sides, any pre-snap penalties. I think this guy will be well organized. I think they'll do things well. And I think they can upgrade the talent that they already have pretty significantly. They did that in the off season. They got a, a really good wide receiver. They got a really good pass rusher. You feel good about some of the stuff they have going forward. But I mean, you know, God bless him. Matt Ibrahflus can't even kind of run a press conference. It just it doesn't look right. I think they're now trying to get him some help on that stuff, and he did get better as the year went yeah, on. Yeah, he got a little better. But uh, I mean, I, I, I think it. come I on think that, now.
2: Yeah, I, I think that. Where I am at with this whole Bears thing is that, you know, they are in a position to be very good, I think, when they get their defense back and they have the draft picks and the free agency. I think they're in a, they can say and justify they they hired a very good offensive coordinator, a good, yes. good candidate, a very good I just think that when you when you are very good and you talk about wanting to be great, there is a difference there. And I think that's the one thing that uh I'm reacting to today more than anything is that you know the inclusion and, and the arrival of Kevin Warren about a year ago was gonna be different because he was new and he was going to back up the big talk and the rhetoric that was lofty and all the things. I just <laughs> haven't seen that evidence, and so we're still waiting right. on clarity with the stadium project. yes, we have not really seen his his words mean anything in the football operation because it's more of an embracing of the status quo than anything, you know? So I guess I'm just holding him accountable for backing up the big talk. And I'm just tired of the big
1: talk. Yeah. They they did a day in the life story with him where they followed him around and told you saying, okay, like, hey, look at this. He's taking notes here and notes there. And he's going to question this and he's on the phone now and he's talking to people and I felt that might be a setup for some of the big stuff that was going to happen. You know, let's focus on him on our website so people can get the feel that he's the new boss and he's taking this over. And then there was a fizzle. They they didn't they didn't really. You thought they were I preparing thought, people because
2: this is the new guy. Big things. This is the way coming. we do things. This is the way we're thinking now. Yes, did yeah. you? Uh, yes, I, really I did. did. Well, I, I, I did because it was a continuation of that kind of presentation. Yes. The perception has been created by him, and he manages perception very carefully. Of course he does. That the Bears are ambitious now. This is what's different about the franchise. This doesn't reflect that
1: ambitious. rhetoric or yeah.
2: that ambition yeah. at all.
1: Let's try Jake. He's on the road. Hey, Jake. Hey, how you guys doing? Good morning. Thank you for taking buddy. my call. Sure, morning, thank you. Good.
0: Yeah, hey, no, I I mean, I totally agree. I think Harbaugh is going to be a winner, and would love to see him here. But like you guys said, who's to say he would want to come to Chicago and you know instead of L.A.? I just think as fans, you know, we get so impatient with coaches that we never give it a chance. We get in this cycle of hiring and firing coaches. Um, you know, I know Nagy and Tressman should have been gone, but, you know, who's to say Dan Campbell – uh, you know, Lions fans didn't want him fired after year two, and look what he's doing. I just think we got to give the guy a chance, and you know, they're showing improvement. And you know, he's a phenomenal defensive play caller. Um, keep it rolling, and you know, I think they, I think they made the right move instead of, like I said, getting in the cycle that you can't seem to get out of.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, I and they're definitely not in that cycle, and they're trying to give more time. I, I would just remind you that I think it was like week four or five everybody thought he was going to be the first Bears coach fired in season. And I think that there was a different opinion about him then than there is now. And Luke Getze, everybody wanted to fire him about halfway through the season, definitely toward the three quarter mark and they backed him up and everything was fine. And then he had to go too. So I, I don't know how to think about it and I don't know who's making all these calls. And I think that, the tone of a lot of it has changed pretty quickly, depending on which way the wind's blowing. That's the reality of
2: it. 708, don't you guys think that Warren should get a little more than 10 months to turn things around? It's like it's not like he's flipping a house. It's a huge corporation that's been misguided for decades. Give him some time.
1: Okay. All right. Yep. We'll see. It's just- it's I, Talking I big. Really, I really felt when the guys walking around taking notes about everything and- monitoring everyone and talking about what their job is i expected a lot more action and you want to take another year okay you mean what's another year they <laughs> haven't won a playoff what's game how year? many right Yeah. that's all
2: everyone can have a bad decade
1: that's it that's all it is we got uh, dan weederer is going to join us next then we'll get back to your calls it's and hall chicago sports radio six seven to score
0: call from mom answer it Dan Weederer. You've got a guy with, with credentials, you've got a guy with some qualifications, and now there's just when done at its best provides a level of steadiness and stability that helps create and stimulate success. On-air contributor for 670 The Score. Listen, we're not going to accept the status quo. We are going to push for more. We are going to strive for more.
1: Co-host of the Take the North podcast with our own David Hall. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Dan Weiderer with Moline Hall on 670 The Score.
3: Bear down. Let's go.
1: Mullion Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Always fun to talk to Dan Weider. He joins us now on the score hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Dan, good morning. How are you? I'm doing
0: great. How are you guys?
1: Good. Well, you know, it's kind of a rough morning, really. Just the it's idea. foggy. Is- no, not that the idea that uh you, you must know, be at Hallis hall. the idea that, yeah, helllles <laughs> Hall doesn't change that much and now boggy up the there The guy they wouldn't talk about they, they, they didn't talk to it takes a job in uh with the chargers. I don't know. I mean, who'd you rather have as your head coach? Would it be flucy or uh or jim Harbaugh? i I, I think that they're They're in a weird spot. I like Shane Wood. uh, I like uh, Waldron. Shane Waldron. um, I think that's competence there. I think that's going to be good. I don't know what they're going to do in the draft. I think it's exciting. I think we're all wrapped up in the off season. But when you see coaches move, I I had vowed I would probably be upset when I saw this happen, And, and sure enough, here I am.
0: You would be upset when Harbaugh landed a, a different without job. You mean
1: without them talking to him? How, yeah. Wh- how I, do you not talk to the guy?
0: I'd be curious to know what kind of hooks were in the water, um, in the months leading up to these decisions, and and what they felt was the dynamics that would be at play if if they went down that path. Um, certainly, I think you're you're right to have concerns and reservations about staying on the path that they did stay on particularly during a year where there was going to be some other options there that would be highly appealing Um, but there was some some Harbaugh of the Chargers buzz really kind of growing in in mid-December and so I don't know if that was the preferred destination and and you just kind of felt that um, and pivoted in a different direction or kind of how it went went down the pipe but obviously it's uh, it's going to be a talking point for a while and the results are going to be uh, compared against one another.
2: Do you think the Bears will ever fully address if they're asked about it? What was it about Jim Harbaugh that they didn't pursue it? I know, I, I, I think I know the answer to that question. But Dan, do you think we'll ever figure out any reporting that that says or suggests that Kevin Warren discouraged it because of his past with Harbaugh? I just think today we're looked at. Boy, the Chargers end up with. Jim Harbaugh and the, you know, the Bears are, well, they've got a lot to good, feel good about, but Jim Harbaugh was there for the taking, and they passed.
0: If he was, right, and then that's the, the, the bigger question, and then it's all a matter of what kind of um, control and say that he wanted or wants in things and how that will go. The Chargers had a general manager opening that they're able to then kind of hand-select somebody to go alongside Jim Harbaugh in a way that will be harmonious, right? And, and they have to make that decision and figure out what it looks like. Um, you don't want to undercut your current general manager if you truly believe he's putting things in position to propel you to the next level by bringing him uh, a new head coach who's going to want authority and everything and creating that combative uh, daily dynamic inside your building and the headache. I I know there'll be pushback to that, but that is a a real thing in NFL buildings. And it's uh it's something that, uh, that that you have to be aware of as a, as a franchise.
1: Yeah. I I don't know that everybody kind of going the same way is good. I like the idea that you have differing opinions and you're going to argue about it and you're going to make decisions. I don't care who's comfortable. I care what the best decisions are. So I, I don't agree with that i i think you're right i think they're probably gonna be more comfortable without Harbaugh here without a doubt because he has his own ideas and his own uh his own demands but yeah uh but really dan i mean do we you know do we care that everybody's moving in the right direction or do it's, we well, want some to, kind of argument here
0: To to me it's less about it's less about uh, comfort and and uh, y- y- more so eliminating some of the unnecessary pushback and and y- you know control issues that that create a lot of tension and dysfunction in a building you know and and the thing you're trying to avoid is the dysfunction obviously where um, it's not about everybody pulling in the right direction but it's making sure that you're you're not pulling in two different directions and then fighting about which way you're pulling um, so we'll see where it goes there's a lot of results in the years ahead that will help us kind of really understand what some of these decisions were and and what the end results of them were. And now obviously this is Ryan Poles' stage at this point for the next several months to try to put this team uh, in a position to to take a leap, you know, and it's not just a 2024 leap. We've been very consistent when we've talked guys about trying to find a model that that creates sustainable success. And that's that's the goal here. That's what this next offseason has to be about. Uh, they made some decisions earlier that that don't necessarily lead you to believe that it's a a long term view with uh, retaining Matt Eberflus. And now you've got a new offensive coordinator in the building that you have to find unity with and 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 figure out what he can do, regardless of personnel, to take your offense to the next level.
2: So Shane Waldron is the guy, and obviously there's going to be some Seahawk influence because he's talking to some of his assistants in Seattle, maybe joining him in Chicago. Will there be anything else? I mean, Luke Getze brought Lucas Patrick and equanimity St. Brown. I wonder, is there a player or players, and can he bring D.K. Metcalf with him? Is there anybody else out there who I'm being facetious who's there? Who's his
1: but, Lucas Patrick? Yes,
2: who is that guy, maybe on the offensive line, or who is that guy in the receiving core that might come and be you know, somebody who's a plug-and-place option here?
0: Wasn't there a point where there was a lot of DK Metcalf in a Bears uniform photoshops mm-hmm. floating around? Wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't there some some trade that was gonna happen that uh in the world of fantasy land that David, you and I always love talking about the, the fantasy land that people get caught in. I haven't looked real closely yet at the, the Seattle Seahawks uh free agent chart yet to see what might be available in March. The thing I'm most eager to hear from Shane Waldron and those who hired him is why they believe this is a obvious upgrade i think obviously they were attracted to the three seasons of play calling experience that's a a plus that removes some of the guesswork of of who uh this guy's going to be when he has the 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 headset and the, the opportunity to control the game in that regard i think obviously his adaptability was there but guys you go down the list of the Seahawks' stats from 2023, and the Bears ranked ahead of them in total yards. The Bears ranked ahead of them in touchdowns scored. The Bears ranked ahead of them in first downs. The Bears ranked ahead of them in third down conversion percentage. The Bears ranked ahead of them in rushing. The Bears ranked ahead of them in red zone efficiency. And so all of a sudden you stop and you go, okay, well, this wasn't some like fireworks show that was going on in Seattle this year. And so I I need a a little more clarity from the people in charge on on why they believe uh, that Shane Waldron has uh, this offense on the up escalator.
1: So you are Shane Waldron, and you just got this job. Do you call the quarterback? Do you call Justin Fields and introduce yourself and have a chat with him about what he likes to do, you know, whatever? I saw a photo of him. He was at Hallis Hall. So maybe he's around. I don't know that Shane Waldron is here, um, but I, I think that uh, that the quarterback is. Do you immediately – start looking into some of the guys in the draft or start contacting people about that? How do you start plotting for a season, even in the off-season while you're moving, whatever, you're daydreaming about your new job? How do you do that without knowing who's under center? And do you have to have an idea? Once they hire you, do they then bring you in and tell you, okay, this is is about the science fiction of – who's brought it to us all that you know do you reach some moment where all of a sudden you get the information and you wonder why am i a scientologist
0: well listen like first and foremost as a professional you you at least reach out to justin fields and you introduce yourself because that is kind of part of the process of um becoming a leader of this team not knowing what the future may hold uh for that quarterback or the quarterback position now things are going to get hot and heavy really quick with the draft evaluation process and the volume of homework that the bears have to do uh, particularly on the offensive side of the ball and particularly at every position on the offensive side of the ball, something that Shane Waldron has to be involved in. He has to have input in. He has to know what Ryan Poles and his staff are thinking and what they've already thought so that he can steer his homework in the right direction and not waste a lot of time and energy. You look at the quarterbacks and we're going to spend three months talking about the quarterback class. You could spend the next three months every single day, diving only in on the quarterbacks and not run out of things to do. And yet you have to be aware that you also own another pick at number nine, a pick that you could trade down out of because there's some depth in this draft that may allow that luxury when you get there. And so now you're looking at this receiver class, you're looking at this offensive tackle class, which guys, that that's, that's where some of this depth is in the first round where, Mm -hmm. where if you wanted to take Caleb Williams one, and you still wanted to stockpile draft capital, don't rule out the possibility that you hope that some of these other quarterbacks get hot—the Bo Nixes, the Michael Penixes, the J.J. McCarthy—and somebody wants to come and get them at the end of the top ten. And now you can trade back into the teens, stockpile some capital, take a you know day one starting offensive tackle for yourself, and then you know build from there, or take a a, a tight end if Brock Bowers is still around. Like there's a lot of cool combinations of picks that you can put together in this draft. And Shane Waldron has got to be a part of that. He's got to know what the general manager is thinking. And when he gets his staff on board, they've got to be targeted with the way that they go about their assignments.
2: A lot of focus on the division, Dan, because obviously the Lions are playing the biggest game in franchise history in the conference championship Sunday, and the Packers just got beat. When you look at them, the Packers, that is, firing Joe Barry as defensive coordinator, what do you think is next for them? And could Ron Rivera be on their radar?
0: Yeah, poor Joe Barry couldn't get 16 games against the Bears scheduled, right? Because he seemed to have a real good time <laughs> defending the Bears and struggled with, uh, with some of the other uh, high-powered offenses in the league, which is uh, something else. Um, So we'll see which direction they go. I think the two questions you have – about the Packers and lions is what is the sustainability now talking to people in Detroit, there's a lot of optimism that, that what they have in place right now is really, really sturdy. I've spent three years waiting for them to pivot off of Jared Goff and find their uh, next forever quarterback. And yet Jared Goff has made it work and Ben Johnson has made it work with Jared Goff. Well, now the likelihood is Ben Johnson's out the door within a matter of weeks now, and you've got to figure out how to backfill that role and create that um, continuity of momentum that they have, but certainly I think we do a lot of talking about uh, the high-powered offense in Detroit. We obviously give Dan Campbell a lot of credit, but Brad Holmes in that general manager's chair has done a remarkable job of right. succeeding in the draft. You know, you've got Panay Sewell, you've got Jameer Gibbs, you've got some, uh, uh Derek Barnes, who is a, a, I think a day three guy that that comes in and becomes a, a big time contributor for you. So th- that's, uh, it's really interesting to try to, to, to measure the sustainability for those two programs, because obviously they enjoyed some eye catching success here this post season.
1: When, when we look at this off season, I mean, from your standpoint, Obviously, we're, we're talking about quarterbacks, and having a, a quarterback um, seems to be a priority, whether that's trading down and getting someone to play behind fields for a year, whether that's taking advantage of the first overall selection and taking a, a player many believe. It, well, he, whether you believe that he's generational in his talent, a lot of people have been waiting to draft the guy. Like a lot, there's been a lot of people waiting to get an opportunity for them. So whatever they decide to do, um, do you have a list of things they've got to get done? I mean, they, you know, obviously they got to get a center. These are minor type of things that can be major on a team. You got to get a center. You got to get an upgrade on your offensive line. You got to get another receiver. You got to get a... uh, you got to get a punter and I know no one cares about that. But and you could do that although I don't think they have any picks late so maybe pick up one. Whatever. Is there any priority position for you that isn't as obvious uh, that everyone else is talking about?
0: I wouldn't say that nobody cares about the punter because there's a very prominent morning show host in Chicago who really is into uh, trying to upgrade at the punter. You may know him really well, Molly, uh, <laughs> but but beyond that, I, th- I think your checklist is right. Like I think the upgrades on the offensive line, it's a real thing that they need to go about. I think there's probably a sense that um, you want to solidify your running back position a little bit more. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Khalil Herbert stays maybe numbered there and you really want to know what you have in Roshan Johnson and try to fill some things on around him. I could spend a month and a half diving into this receiver class of the draft because it's yeah. fascinating. You talk to to people and you get a wide range of opinions. It, it's you know, the consensus is that Marvin Harrison Jr. is is the safest bet, but there are people that say you put on the tape and Malik neighbors is a, a much more electric, more dynamic playmaker. Now you've got to get comfortable with a lot of other things. The other receiver, uh, at, at LSU Thomas is a guy that people think is, is really good at Dunze is, is some people's favorite prospect in the class. And so, um, it's, it's, it's amazing what, what you're going to have to do. Like I say, to do this homework, to get there, but I think you're, you're right to focus your, checklist on the offensive side of the ball first and understand the upgrades that are needed there Uh, I think you probably want to try to find that that next level three tech if you can uh, at some point in the first two days of the draft if you can or maybe there's something available in free agency there there is a long checklist here Um, again like I'll, I'll tell you this also with the quarterback like we can cross off the generational word and just throw that out the window because people get hung up on it yeah the talent of years don't get hung up on the skill set that Caleb Williams brings to the table. When you talk to people, their jaws drop and they gush over the arm talent. And that's not just arm strength. It's the ability to make touch throws. It's the ability to make off-platform throws. It's the ability to be on the move, improvising, have your eyes downfield, and then put a ball right on the numbers, which is something we see the greats in this league do. And so the potential uh, that Caleb Williams brings to the table – the floor and the ceiling for Caleb Williams is well above the floor and the ceiling for Justin Fields. And that's why people who aren't looking at this through an emotional lens say this is an easy decision for Ryan Poles. Take emotion out of the cards and just look at the skill sets and the talent and where the quarterbacks are at this stage of their development. And it's Caleb Williams all the way. Now, obviously we've talked previously about uh, the DNA and wiring homework that they have to do, but uh, that, that's certainly something worth noting as we go through the next 90 plus days.
2: Thanks, Dan. Thanks
1: so much. Sorry Dan. about the Illini.
0: Oh, tough one. All right, guys, have a good one.
1: He was at that game, right? We should have asked him about it. All right. 312-644-6767 is the telephone number. It's Mully and Haw on the score. I haven't talked to Jim. Brian, why why is this Scotia, Michigan? Well, not anymore. Mully and Haw, Chicago, Sports Radio. 670 the score. I'm not gonna be dark all off season. I'm gonna get on board. We're gonna have some fun with this. But we had vowed that we would take this one personally when it happened, if it happened because you had an opportunity and yeah. you didn't even talk. I think
2: it's understandable. It's allowed, it's permitted, it's a long off season. Yeah. Things will turn around if quickly huh. enough. I'm curious. I asked Dan about this. I- I'm curious what's going on in Seattle. Everybody's going to wonder about DK Metcalf because there were those rumors, and his dad was a former Bear. Yeah. Terrence Metcalf, good uh, swing tackle, offensive guard, good guy in the locker room. But salary cap casualties in Seattle make me wonder if Tyler Lockett could be a guy, number two receiver, 32 years old, going to be, you know, a veteran, but he's going to be somebody that is or has been speculated in Seattle, would be a salary cap casualty because of his cap hit 2024, $27 million.
1: Yeah. that uh, He's going to yeah. be on the
2: street. Yeah. You know he's going to bring somebody, though.
1: Oh, you know it, Shane Waldron is going to
2: bring somebody. Again. I wonder, it will it be a lineman? Will it be a receiver? Will it be more than just the assistant coaches that he's interviewing because he interviewed three guys yesterday uh, from Seattle, apparently. Could join him on the staff. You could do worse than Tyler Lockett as a number two wide receiver. You draft a guy. You, you need three. If, you, if you're going to have everything a new quarterback could want in a passing game, you're going to need at least three quality perimeter targets.
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that, I mean, you know, as much as we talk about the draft, they, they have traded away their second-round pick. For um, for for uh, Montez Sweat, they have traded away their sixth round pick, right? For the for uh, Freeney, they do. They don't have a seventh. Was that in some deal uh, last year? I don't know what happened to their seventh. Um, so they got obviously two first round picks, and they got a, a number one overall pick, and they got a number nine pick, and if they want to. Get more picks, that'll be easy enough to do with all that ammunition. Um, they they have a third round pick. Like I I they go one, they go nine, and then they're down to the third round, right? And then they got a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick, and that's it. They got six picks. So you probably would want more picks, wouldn't you?
2: You always want more picks. Yeah. Every general manager in football wants more picks. Uh I, I don't know. But um, I,
1: you know you need like you look at their needs, right? Yeah, you, they need a wide receiver. They they need uh, you know a uh, a defensive lineman. They need interior help on their line. They may want to get a tackle. I mean, I, I, right now you've got two ones, a three, two fourths, and a fifth. Oh, two fourths.
2: And right. you are in a position, as Dan pointed out, this is a really good point to remember. Smart by him. At the nine position, regardless of what you do with Caleb Williams at Mm -hmm. number one, if you take him, there may be some teams that may want to move up to get a quarterback. There may be some quarterbacks still on the board, and somebody's motivated to do that. And you are going to be in a prime position to move back and to get some of those draft picks back that you want so desperately. And so that's a good spot to be in. And you are now in a position of strength. I think you got to look at it for the Bears. A position of strength is the way they're going into the draft.
1: Let's try Ray. Ray is in all SIP. Hey, Ray. Hey,
3: good morning, guys. Uh, You actually just mentioned what I was calling
1: about. Uh,
3: To me, that ninth pick is gold. I don't want Ryan Poles to move off of that. But there's no way this guy's going to this draft without a second-round pick. So how about this? Washington has two second-round picks. Go to Washington and say, you want the Kayla Williams? Take him. Give us those two first, uh, second second-round picks. And then draft Drake May. He's more of what they want anyway. A guy who saves in the pocket, goes to his reach, can run if he has to. And then you still got that ninth pick, and you got two premium second-round picks. So, guys, I'll hang up. Tell me what you think.
2: I don't think I like the idea of watching Caleb Williams go to Washington and be a star for the next 10 years. He's from there. Which would make it even more conducive to success. <laughs> a comfortable <laughs>
1: franchise quarterback back in his hometown. All right. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We're gonna stay with your calls. We'll be back next. Mully and haw the score.